Meanwhile, uh, SABC TV reporter Gillian Pillay has been following a number of stories as part of the 16 days of activism against gender-based violence. And one such story is an horrific ordeal of a young Soweto minor who was violated multiple times by three different perpetrators. Now, the second um, is, the uh, uh, rather, the other two after the first are two men who are in their 20s and addicted to Nyaupe. The first one says um, he had numerous, uh, she says, had numerous accusations leveled against him relating to violating minor girls in that area. So for more on the story, we join on the line now by Gillian Pillay. Gillian, good afternoon. So uh, firstly, tell us how you came to know about this story. A very good afternoon to you, Sakina. You know, this time of the year um, is the one time where the SABC um, uses the platforms that we have to give voices to these stories because um, just during this awareness period, you'll find that these horrific incidents are still there. We, we, we came across the stories of the TDB clinic, um, and it's one of several stories that we've been covering. Um, we looked at a sodomy story um, on, on Sunday last week, highlighting that young sex offenders can be rehabilitated. The story you're talking about, we're looking at communities who are aware of perpetrators in the area, but turn the other way. They, they keep silent. And then these incidents don't go away. Then this person gets to, you know, perpetuate these crimes. And many other minors are affected, like the one that we highlighted, the nine-year-old. Um, but her story particularly horrific, Sakina, as you said there, because um, this happened in 2016. She didn't tell her grandmother. Her grandmother learned about this through a letter she had written that was found in a, a learner's school book. The SGB actually came to notify the grandmother about this incident, about this old guy in the area, an old man in the area that had done this. And in this very year of 2019, Sakina, um, I think that is what triggered me so was that two Nyaupe addicts then had violated this girl again. And she is more in school more in court, uh, yeah, she's more in court um, with these two different cases than in school. Um, and this is one of the cases that we felt we needed to highlight during this period, um, looking at, uh, you know, what more could communities do when known perpetrators are doing these crimes, but communities turn the other way. And when we spoke to Shahida Omar, Dr. Shahida Omar from the TDB clinic, she said every person has a legal obligation, not a moral obligation, a legal obligation to report incidents when they know that someone or people are are doing this when they are violating minors, that they need to come forward because they can actually be criminally charged, Sakina, when they don't speak up. And, and and that's the point, I think, um, Gillian, because yeah. as you say, it's not just a moral, it's a legal obligation. legal obligation. It is the parents, it is the family, it is the teachers, it's the SGB, anybody Labor. who knows, mm-hmm. they have a legal and moral obligation to report it. But we still see people not doing that, Gillian. I think the sad reality in this in- instance, Sakina, is if they had, if, the, if legal steps were taken, if communities had reported, if community members had gone to the police station and reported this elderly man in the community that had done this years ago, because allegedly has a reputation of, of perpetuating these crimes. If someone had spoken up then, surely, Sakina, this could have been avoided. How many others haven't come forward? 
we, we, we understand that there are allegations that he possibly bribed um, um, some of, 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 of the victims, and that's why they didn't come forward with money and gifts. But if communities had spoken up, I think, Sakina, in this case, this could have been something that could have been avoided um, rather than turning the other way and keeping silent. And it's very important that communities know their rights, the legal obligation um, of knowing that someone is perpetuating these crimes and not doing anything about it. That is the travesty of justice that many communities, you know, are still faced with when they try and, um, you know, solve uh, an, an incident of rape was either in the family, within the community, and that does not um, change the person's behavior because you will find in the mind of a perpetrator, if they can get away with one incident, they are going to continue perpetuating these crimes. And that is the message with this particular story, that there's no moral right here. It's a legal right um, to, to come forward and speak up and say, this is what's happening. This, these are the victims. And so that the law can take its course so that there aren't many other victims down the line where we, we say, what, you know, if we had spoken up, this could have been avoided, Sukina. Jillian, mm. uh, uh, I mean, one wonders about the timeline of events here. Mm. Um, after this child was first violated, mm. how old was she? And, and, and also, how long mm. after that first violation mm. uh, did the other two happen? She was, she was six years old when the first incident happened. Remember, she didn't speak up initially, and, and naturally so, because in most communities and in most families, you aren't believed as the minor when you speak up against an elderly person. Um, the SGB, I can respect them for taking the stance that they did when they had found out that this had happened. But um, she's now uh, nine years old. And to go through that entire process of court police, psychologists, you, know, you can imagine the trauma that this young survivor is having to go through. Um, she's not performing as academically well as she did before these incidents happened. But there is a timeline of a six-year-old shouldn't have been violated by someone who was like a father figure to her. It was a friend of the family she had visited who had done this. And it happened also over a period. It wasn't a once-off violation by the first perpetrator, Sakina. And then in this year, on her way home from school, um, you know, these two Nyaupe addicts um, grabbed her, and this is what happened to her. So she has an horrific story to tell. But I think when one speaks to her granny and when one sees her face now um, through the psychological and psychotherapy that she's had to undergo, she, despite what she has gone through in these past years um, and having to be at court more than at school, Sakina, she's definitely in the face of adversity, triumphed. And, and, and she's actually teaching other kids who are at the Teddy Bear Clinic about court reporting and how they should do this. So there is some sort of good, even though our young girls and boys shouldn't be going through this. Um, there is some good that has come out of the story, Sakina. Thanks so much for highlighting that. Our reporter, Gillian Pillay.